0: Long story short, I was robbed. And in point of that robbery, I remember the guy putting a gun to my chest just right there and saying like, give me everything. And I'm like, England is not working for me. Let me go back to Nigeria. I start an oil and gas business. Year one, year two, year three, is all working well. And now I start to go on holidays. Bam. Late 2015, I get a phone call from one of my drivers. We just had an accident. out there screaming and shouting. And I remember just looking at my wife and telling my wife, you know, I quit being an entrepreneur. I quit being a business person. I was making over 10,000 pounds profit, clear profit. My mom got myself an Uber license and I started driving for Uber. I'm driving so hard. One morning, I'm coming from Stansted Airport. I fall asleep on the wheel.
1: Dr. Daniel Moses is a man with an intense drive and an unwavering passion for growth and success. His remarkable journey through life and business showcases resilience, determination and an unyielding commitment to excellence. As a rising star in the UK's property and business industry, Dr. Daniel has overcome challenges across diverse industries and personal circumstances, using his unique skill set to achieve remarkable success. His story serves as an inspiration to those who aspire to defy the odds and dominate their sectors.
0: Are you thinking about building your wealth? Are you thinking about where to start or not knowing where to start in your wealth creation journey? At Property Wealth Education, we teach people how to get started, how to build an empire and how to invest passively and actively using property in your wealth creation. Month in, month out, week in, week out, we have curated courses that is available to you free and paid and through our upgraded mentorship program, The Wealth Circle. If you're thinking of building your wealth, we want to invite you to click on the a link below the show notes on this video Uh, to book a call with us. We'd like to have a chat to help you start to build your wealth, build a legacy for yourself and your family.
1: Welcome to the CEO of you, Daniel Moses. Dr. Daniel Doctor, (laughs) Oh, doctor. (laughs) My my apologies. Thanks for traveling down from London, Kent. Um, So we're going to begin, go straight into it, straight into the deep end you said you're an open book
0: absolutely i'm an open
2: book mm. let's begin so the first question i have for you is so upcoming in june you have your book second second book yes yeah, second second book. book coming out called the test the and test. We spoke on the meeting and you said the first chapter was your favorite chapter now the name of this
0: chapter was push through the pain yes why is this your favorite chapter number one the favor- the reason why the ch- the push to the pain is my favorite chapter is that as entrepreneurs we go through personal pains we go through business pains but sometimes we often let the pains that we go through in life be the reason why we actually never get to start rather mm-hmm. the reason why we want to quit so chapter number 1 i go through my entire 22 years you know of my entrepreneurship journey to kind of analyze to see that everything that became successful in my life had to go through so much pain to achieving the next step. So and watching the likes of the successful entrepreneurs out there especially someone like Elon Musk. I read I was watching it I was actually watching a video documentary on Elon Musk because I I study a lot and he said that there were times when he started his business where he had to work Round the clock doing over 120 hours in a week to try to grow as an entrepreneur. So, but 22 years ago, I did not know that it was normal sometimes that you're going to have to work extra extremely hard to becoming mm-hmm. a successful entrepreneur. Mm. So when we grow as entrepreneurs or rising stars, We often think from the very get-go, we become entrepreneurs. We're going to be financially ahead tomorrow. We're going to have everything we've ever wanted. And all the successes are just going to drop in our faces by just making this little effort. Push through the pain tells you that actually, no, you know, I had to go through so much pains. The the pain of even being in gangs at the early part of my life, Mm. way back in university. You know, I kind of share, before being in the gang, I was a sales guy. I was a guy who sells anything in school, in campus, in university. I sell books, I sell clothes, I sell cars, I sell anything sellable. I gained a lot of traction, became very popular in, in university. But well, very, very quickly, I became a target for different rivalry groups. when was a, this back up? Way back in 2000, and this was when I was in university between 1999 to 2004. Okay. So this was especially like during the last two years of being in uni and I had this massive pressure, you know? So and. At some point, I felt like, you know what? I had to batter the pressure. Times where people who I saw things to do will slap me big time, boom, in your face. You know, just by asking them to pay the remaining of the money they owed you, going out for dinners or, yeah. you know, or just having a great time with your girlfriend and being told to walk away from your girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things in campus. But obviously I was, very well known because I was selling anything. I was selling cars and every other, you know, every other things on campus, I had good cars. I went to university, I drove four cars in four years while I was in school because I will sell something, I will upgrade my cars and so on and so forth. Obviously, my elder brothers gave me that leeway to sort of have that sort of early start of entrepreneurship. So I just kind of share how that played an impact and how that also made me made some kind of decisions, you know, to, know, to, to defend myself And as well as to continue to sell yeah you know but it got to a point where you know the pressure was just too much and people were killing each other and and that had to motivate me to escape out of university of benin and as well as allowed me to escape into a country like England, where I knew nobody. Mm-hmm. And I go just basically sharing how those little challenges that could have stopped my entrepreneurship mindset or actually changed my entrepreneurship trajectory in where I was thinking I was going to be successful. You know, at that point, I wasn't. But I had to leave. So, Push Through Your Pain is just a chapter in the book where I look back, I'm like, well, two things. I could have, you know, abandoned being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two. I could have probably even been dead by now. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously this is almost about 22 years plus ago. So how did, you know, what did I learn from that? How did I use that to kind of pivot to, to the point of the kind of level of success I've had now? A lot of entrepreneurs go through different things in their life, not actually applying, whether it being the mistakes, the errors, or the positive things that you did in your life to become the true version of yourself as a true entrepreneur. A lot of people think entrepreneurs fall from the skies. No, (laughs) entrepreneurs are made through the challenges, the hurt, the pains, the struggles you go through in life, you know, that that makes you become the greatest version of yourself. So chapter number one is such a chapter where I literally share so many pains that I went through in my life, you know, of over the last 22 years and how that built my resilience level as a true entrepreneur that I am now. I like it. Perfectly. well. Wow. So so besides the first chapter, is there any other chapters you loved while writing the book? Yeah, absolutely. Another chapter I really love about the book is The Overcoming Entrepreneur. Mm, please tell yeah. to me about that. The overcoming entrepreneur is just when you've pushed through the pain and you think all things working. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> there is the sun is shining. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. BAM, another challenger. You know, you're asking yourself, what oh, is this different question. When do I actually get there, mm. you know? So I'll give it a very similar example. Our example. Uh, chapter number one, I said, I spoke about push through the pain and I spoke about my early days in life, how, you know, I became a member of a gang and I was selling things. I arrived in the United Kingdom, for example, and 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 I got here and I had to do all different types of linear job and eventually then selling things, you know, again in the UK and that built up a business. Now in overcoming entrepreneur, whilst I arrived in the UK, and I met my wife in a bus, you know, and I had to add value. So when I met my wife the very first time in a bus, I had to add value. What was the value I added? The value was, I'm trying to chat to this pretty girl mm-hmm. on the boss, and she's not paying attention. Okay, what can I do to add value in terms of what can I do to really make me stand out from the normal guy who just wants a number? She mm-hmm. had so many bags to carry and she came to the boss. So I had to help her be the handyman who would help her take those bags to our doorstep and to use that to get the number, even though that, that didn't work. But then again, I kept, you know, I didn't I, work. it didn't work, Because <laughs> she, she's like, regardless of the fact yeah. that you just added value by helping me push, push, you know, take my bag to my door, but sorry, I ain't going to give you my number. But then again, focus on the law of attraction and, you know, and bumping into her again, again, adding so much value again, and eventually having to, 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 to collect her number. And in business sometimes we often never understand the fact that for someone to buy something from you, you have to add value, Mm -hmm. right? The value is maybe giving free information or actually even serving completely for free sometimes. You know, I do this all the time. People ask me to come to their events to speak or to be around and I go there with free copies of my book. My book on Amazon is £10, right? If I was to say hundred copies of my book, how much is that? You can imagine that's Mm -hmm. over a thousand pounds, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, sometimes you got to add value. So now on Overcoming Entrepreneur, it was how I got issues and I how I added value at every given point in time to grow to a certain point where I felt, okay, things was all good. And then I had another massive challenge again, which kind of locked me out of the United Kingdom for over a year. This episode of the Wealth and Business podcast is brought to you by our partner and sponsor Ramsey & White. Ramsey & White is an award-winning specialist intermediary covering property, finance, wealth management and estate agency. The Ramsey & White team can help you secure or source funding for your buy-to-lets, your HMOs, your commercial development, holiday-lets, portfolio acquisition. They also offer financial reviews covering pension and investment, not restricted by lenders or locations, the team at Ramsey & White will help you build momentum covering or growing your investment portfolio. Feel free to contact Ramsey & White who is our partner and our sponsor for this episode of the Wealth and Business Podcast. The links to contacting Ramsey & White will be somewhere around the show notes. Make sure to reach out to them as this company has actually helped me build my property portfolio over the last six years. The reason why people see entrepreneurs as people who are sometimes for themselves is because of the largest part of the creative mindset that they have to making this work.
1: So you spoke about a lot of challenges that you faced. I just want you to bring some of those challenges onto the podcast and share with the viewers because where you are now is amazing. A multi-million pound business owner. So I want to start with the first challenge you told us, well... I think it would be the first in your like journey of entrepreneur. It was when you had a gun to your chest back in Nigeria. Yes. Tell us about that.
0: So on one of the chapters in the book, I think this is between chapter one or chapter three. So I spoke about at some point I met an individual that got me into into some sort of trouble Mm -hmm. and that trouble. All right. I couldn't go through it anymore. I had to relocate. I've like, I literally said, you know what? I've got to go back to Nigeria. Mm. And I went back home to Nigeria, go back to Nigeria. Then I couldn't, I would probably want to use almost like voluntarily just, you know, voluntarily just say, you know, I quit, I leave, you know, let me go back to Nigeria. I had a wife here though, uh, because there was pressure, you know, at every angles of my life. So I just wanted to take a break. So, and I went back to Nigeria and I couldn't come back, you know, for over a year because my visa had expired. The UKBA wouldn't renew my visa, Mm -hmm. you know, due to that particular lawsuit that was against me, you know, because the test is written in two forms. This is the first of the part of the test. Okay. So I'm in Nigeria now. I'm like, okay, I'm going through legal battles in the UK. I'm back to Nigeria, you know, Mm -hmm. let me take a break. Let me, you know, let me go life easy and everything else one of these evenings, I go out with my very close friends, Edwin mm. and I'm back with Edwin. We're just having a great time in the evening. And that day, to be honest, I'm talking to my wife during the day. So my wife is telling me, you know, how things are going and everything else. And we just said, you know what? Let's just go out. Let's just, let's let's take a deep breath. Let's go out. Was it back in the UK? This was Nigeria. Oh. And And then on that same evening, one of the cars that I, I had shipped to Nigeria, all right? Yeah. Someone wants to actually buy it as well. Getting back, we're chilling somewhere with the car yeah. and everything else and having a great time. Rounded up by a group of five boys. All right? Mm-hmm. And put down on the gutter. All right? And basically, uh, you know, like it's almost like your money or your life or whatever. Yeah. Obviously. In Nigeria, it, you can easily tell when someone is just come from a different country. Number one, you probably live fresher, yeah, you know, yeah. because of the sun. Your, your mm-hmm. skin is a bit more, you know, you know, brighter. You know, when I'm speaking, people can tell that probably he's lived abroad and stuff like that. So anyway, long story short, I was robbed. Mm-hmm. And in point of that robbery, I remember the guy putting a gun to my chest just right there and saying like, Give me everything or else I'm going to, you're dead. And I'm like, listen, you see that car right there? It's mine. This is a car I'm selling.
2: Mm.
0: See that car right there? It's mine. I've got a couple of hundred quid in my pocket. Here is my jewellery and everything. There you go. Just please don't shoot me. And I'm negotiating with the guy. The guy, at the moment I even said that was my car, the initial plan was like of of the guys that you know what let's 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 take him with us i think he's got more and that those were the things i was hearing them talk yeah let's take him they're speaking obviously local language Uh and i'm like and i'm negotiating my life with these guys i'm like listen i've given you guys the car i've given you guys all the money and i'm negotiating with with going put to my chest it was quite a terrific it was very it was not terrific it was a very horrible 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 moment it's like all the odds are just against me mm-hmm. and i let it go and eventually one of them like you know what bro let's go let's go let's go and they basically took the car they took the money they even took the shit i was wearing they took my watch they took everything and then they left and looking back mm-hmm. and i'm like Did I just negotiate my life to survive, to live? Because what was my mindset going for at that time? Giving my car, giving everything away. Mm. If I can lose it, I can make it back. If I can lose it, I can loan some more money to buy another car, to resell again. So it wasn't more about what I was losing. It was the creativity mindset of, yeah, I'm just in a massive turbulence right now, mm, and it. as long as I can breathe the air through my nostrils,
1: you can do it again.
0: Regardless of whatever profit I was going to make, I will always make it again. If this guys leave me today like I'm like god if this guy, I'm I'm like god if this guy's leave me today if this guy's leave me today <laughs> I'm promising god I will never do this I will never do this I will never do this So it was just like at every single part of my entrepreneurship journey it was just dark moments of dark moments of dark moments that could have actually turned so many fear in my life that I probably would be one of the most useless people if I did not keep fighting against all the odds mm.
1: beautiful And I think there's two more main struggles that I remember. One one struggle is actually a big fear, I think, for a lot of people. And it's losing a parent. Yeah. In 2004, you said you lost your father.
0: Yeah. In 2004, I lost my dad and that was, it was painful. You know, I was young, about to, I was about to graduate from University of Benin. Yeah. Yeah, my dad was a great guy. When I say great guy, indeed, he was a great guy. 30, yeah. 30 children, seven wives, you know, 26 of my late father's children. I don't know some of my siblings. He was a great guy. Um, I, sometimes I say, you know what? I wish my dad worked a bit more as, as hard as I'm working, kind of. Yeah. And <laughs> he builds this kind of name that I'm building for myself now, where mm-hmm. my son, God willing, in the next future, my son will be known for some certain things. I, obviously, you know, he was he he did his best right and i love my dad very much i knew him it's mm-hmm. not like I, I really knew my dad um he was a great guy even though he didn't raise me my mother raised me the reason why my mother raised me was my mom my mother left my dad when i was 10. okay you know my brothers my other brothers was like you know what because they all the women live in the same house so and you know in africa polygamy it can be, there's a lot of diabolic stuff that goes around. So my mom, you know, my brothers be the household myself. My brothers pays for, through my school fees and everything else. Mm. And for that, when I lost my dad, I remember two days before I'd just been with him. And what killed my dad actually was that he was feeling unwell and he went to a chemist and bought himself a tablet called Maluxin. And exactly. it's a malaria tablet. Okay. He got malaria tablet okay. and, you know, because in Nigeria you can just go to a chemist, like a pharmacist. Yeah. And then you can buy whatever you want and just, like we have pharmacists in England. Mm-hmm. But he bought the fake one at that particular place. He was a chain smoker. So, and instantly the tablet that he got flared up. Within 24 hours, he was rushed into the hospital. Because he was a smoker for a very long time, his heart enlarged very quickly oh. by two o'clock the next day he was dead so it wasn't like he was sick for like days or something what we know and we remember that he was ill he took himself to the chemist which is called a pharmacist mm-hmm. in nigeria he bought the tablet took it relaxed a little bit and then the next day things just got worse by two o'clock the next day as soon as they discovered he was he had um you know hat and large, you know as soon as we took him to the hospital, mm-hmm. they checked him out. They discovered he had a heart, a heart enlargement. The moment we were rushing him to the hospital, the next hospital, making an arrangement to move him from a private hospital, to UBTH, a, you know, University of Benin teaching hospital is called. And within an hour, I'm in school, to be honest, I was in school. Mm-hmm. And and I remember myself and my girlfriend then, you know, we were in a restaurant, lunch, and I get a text message where you come home now. What's, what's going to Just come home, wherever you are now, just come home. You know?
1: Mm. Yeah. Did her... it,
0: it, it's It's, it's, uh... yeah. Today's the, 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 he died in May as well. Oh,
1: my oh, yeah. condolences, yeah. man.
0: It's a great man. You know, he Miss- didn't die young. Dead at 75, well, he did his best.
1: Did that give you more reason to push forward?
0: I think one of the greatest things I learned from my dad, my dad married so many wives, mm-hmm. you know, and I say this to my my wife, I have the time, I said polygamy runs in my vein, right? My dad married seven wives. Most of my brothers as well, two wives. I never said this before on social media. I think I've never said this <laughs> before. But most of my, some of my brothers, two wives, three wives. So polygamy runs in my vein. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I learned from my dad was never to allow that polygamy. You know, in Africa, they say, not just Africa, sometimes you are your dad. Mm-hmm. Most men are their dads. Yeah. So my dad inspires me so much that he was never a millionaire. Part of the reason why I'm working every single day. Like I have to be a millionaire, multi-millionaire. I have to work. My dad wasn't an entrepreneur. My dad was a police officer. Right? Yeah. He worked. He retired. He was honoured by, the, by the, our king when he retired. So, my, you know, he he married so many wives. My mother is the second wife. So part of the things that inspired me not to, you know, you know, to be present in, the, in my children's life, all mm-hmm. these things came from my dad. So my dad is my biggest inspiration in terms of me being married to my wife today, 17 years It's going to be 17 years. I've been married to my wife in a couple of days time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Myself and my son, we're very close. We do have our little fight, he's 15. You know how it is you when yeah, you guys are growing up, right? You know, he's trying to he's trying to balance in between. But then again, my father is the reason why, you know, I have been able to hold my marriage for 17 years. My father is the reason why I'm pre- I'm a present father mm. in the life of my children.
1: Mm.
0: So a lot of inspiration has come from him. has left a massive impression on yeah, him. He because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have seven wives. I wanted to be present in, in the life of my wife and I tell my wife every single day, regardless if myself and my wife have a little bit of dis- disagreement, mm-hmm. we settle it instantly. It's not, it doesn't, not tomorrow, not a week after, we talk about it right there and there. You know and yeah we can she can be moody for about the next 24 hours i can be moody for the next 24 but he he cannot pass Mm. 12 to 24 hours and that's one of the the reasons why i've kept my marriage amazing there's no there's no sort of you know no it's very straightforward we discuss it if i'm wrong i'm very apologetic when i'm wrong by the way yeah
1: you know. Got to be accountable, in it?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, <so>, yeah, so a lot of inspiration has come from my, from my father. Okay,
2: so moving on from obviously leaving Nigeria and coming to the UK and obviously you spoke about it in your book, obviously you just said push for the pain. In 2015, I'm guessing that was a year of a lot of pain because you was also doing an Uber driver and believe me, correct me if I'm wrong, you also lost 150k? Yeah, so... <laughs> and also you thought the year following year after, 2016, you thought about quitting
0: entrepreneurship. Yeah, <laughs> in 2000, like I said, looking at my life over the last 22 years is one of the reasons behind me writing the book called "The Test: The Transitioning of the Ordinary to the Extraordinary." I think it's important for the audience to know this. At every given point in time, the life that we live, whether being an entrepreneur, whether being a professional, whatever you are. You are actively transitioning. Mm. But sometimes in that journey of that transitioning, some people hit so many brickwork and when you hit those many brickwork, you quit. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people quit. I came to a conclusion that pain is part of the process. Pressure is part of the process. But as long as you learn how to convert them to work for you, it will start to work for you. Regardless of how I feel. Now, 2023, everything makes sense. I know it's just a turbulence. And again, this is why it's so important to have mentors, to have people that aspire as you. So, when I've gone through the pain and I think I'm overcoming entrepreneur, and all of a sudden, I relocate once more back to Nigeria in 2012. Mm, Yeah. And I'm like, England is not working for me. Let me go back to Nigeria. I start oil and gas business. Year one, year two, year three is all working well. And now I start to go holidays. I'm traveling to Dubai. Mm. My wife came to Nigeria. The kids came to Nigeria the first time. You know, money is not really becoming any much of a problem anymore and things is stabilizing. Bam! Late 2015, I get a phone call from one of my drivers and he's out there screaming and shouting. He spoke Nigerian language. Oga! 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 What is it, Mr. Paul? And he's like, we just had an accident. 65 liters of truck, petroleum product, tankers running into each other, somersaulting into the valley, blowing up, I think challenges make you, you know, challenges just make you stronger, yeah, it just, as long as you never stop, you know. Yeah long you never stop and I remember just looking at my wife and telling my wife you know that's it no more
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm like that's it no more you know I try I just try you see I say no more entrepreneurship no more business (laughs) no more like no more I'm like no more no more and I don't even know how we even survived for the next couple of months. And I just quit. I quit be, I quit being an entrepreneur. I quit being a business person. So
1: what 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 happened? What did you do? If as you said, quit?
0: As you said, transition. Nope. What was the next transition? I just normal job. Normal I just I just went and I got myself a delivery driver job with um with Yodel and mm-hmm. then eventually Amazon. No. I just stopped being, I just stopped, I said, no more business. Mm. The value of the product was over 150,000 pounds. Mm. My money mm. and some investors' money. All gone. Where, like, the question was, where do I start from? Where do I begin? Like, where? How? And gradually I found myself going through depression. Mm-hmm. I got find myself going through depression. I feel like, I don't feel like getting out of bed. You know, I started to drink a lot, but I didn't become an alcoholic, but I just started to drink. Yeah. And I started suffering palpitations, anxiety, just hate myself. You know, my wife didn't even understand me anymore. All of a sudden my marriage is going through stress, pressure. It was hard. 2016 was so hard. It was just so hard. Eventually, someone said, I could make a bit more money than I was making as a delivery man. And I got myself an Uber license and I started driving for Uber. You know, but looking back now, by the way, it's all a blessing. Jeez. Yeah. So...
2: Now we're at the stage of, as you said, you push through that pain.
0: Where does it all begin for you to start to see the wins? And this was was when God showed up in quite a very interesting story again. You know, as I'm driving Uber, I'm driving over 18 hours a day. And I remember dropping someone off in Stansted Airport. Hmm. I was so tired because I was driving over 18 hours a day. Because remember, I'm making over £10,000 this time. I'm, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a, when I was doing my my, my, my oil and gas business, I'm making over £10,000 easily profit. Nigeria don't pay taxes. I'm making a lot of money. In order for me to keep up my expenses in life in the UK, I had to drive over 18 hours. How yes. much?
1: How much money was he making?
0: I was making that? over. I was making over £10,000 profit clear profit month. a month over. Yeah. And this is after paying all my expenses and everything else. Okay. Is it living comfortably? I was living well. I was really living really well. And now I'm driving Uber, I have to work two fines harder to even try to make five, three, four thousand pounds a month because I've got a mortgage to pay, I've got a car to pay, got kids. You know, I'm an African man in, in where I come from. The man pays the bills. The business is not for you, you and your wife to share.
2: Mm.
0: You know, for the time where my wife survived me, you know, whilst I was going through all of that,
2: mm.
0: it was not, it was an embarrassment. Now, I'm driving so hard. One morning, I'm coming from Stansted Airport, and I fall asleep on the wheel. Mm. And my car literally going to where it's hard shoulder. And, and you know, like when you just you wake up like that. So I was like, oh my days. And the only thing I can hear in my head is you need the rest. Pull over on the next station, you know, and sleep. For me, for those who don't believe in God will say that's divine universe. But for me, that was God. That's God almighty. The creator of the heavens and the earth mm. you know my lord jesus who i believe in speaking to me and i went to the petrol station service the service center i pulled over i was sleeping and yet again i had a quick nap and from that nap i was in a property conference room and are teaching about property and all of that and guess what i wake up i'm a, a take up my phone and literally just scrolling through, okay, let me get a ride that will bring me into the city so I can just go on and rest for the day. Mm-hmm. And there you are, Facebook. How to get in property, da 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 we on money. And it's, a, it's an event in central London. My vanquished credit card was literally 150 pound limit. The event was 70 pounds. And it was the only 70 pound that I had left on my credit card. Oh. My credit card limit was 150. I had like 72 or three pound left. I spent 70 pound and that's exactly how I became the person I am today. I paid out less 70 pounds and it's been mentorship after mentorship, dev, personal development after <clears throat> after development. And I have never had so much divine favor So much divine favor since I started property in my entire life. It's just, I've never grown consistently for five years before. This is my sixth year on the books. However, the learning started towards the end of 2016. Well, God has just been, every time I could have failed, even in property, Mm -hmm. right now, yesterday, the year before, the the previous year, God just always brings me a helper. He brings me a deal. Before I seek, the doors open. Before I knock, it opens. Before I ask, I'm given. But one thing I learned is not only the divine God is in the presence, but I think is the work ethic as well. Mm -hmm. Because when you have the work ethic and God opens the the door for you. So sometimes, yes, entrepreneurship. It's challenge after challenge. And how your spirituality has also come to helping you as well. So that's what, those are the moments that changed me to becoming the person I am now. It didn't just happen from just happiness sake. It happened (sighs) due to divine favor.
1: I've got a question. Did you you ever tell your wife that you spent the last 70 on the credit card?
0: The reason why I spent my last 70 pounds like I said, I've been through when I negotiated with the hand rubbers had gone to my chest. Mm-hmm. If I lost all before, why should I be afraid to lose 70 pounds mm-hmm. to, a, to a training course? So I've always had the last... You see, I'm someone, I'm, I'm one of those directors to, to grow my business to seven figures. I never had the money. Everything I've ever created. I'll give an example. Over the last two years, Three years, I raised 1.5 million through social media, which helped me build my property portfolio. Mm. So I have never had to have the money, anything to create what I've created. I never had to have it. Sometimes we are in this mentality thinking that we have to have a lot of savings to do it. And my wife is a witness to this. In 2019, I've been developing myself in, in coaching and training. I came back home and I said to my wife, the house we live in, we're going to turn into an investment property. I, we didn't have 20, you know, 20 or 100,000 in our bank account. My wife's like, okay, how are we going to do it? I said, we're going to find the money. And guess what? We found the money. So my mentality of why did I spend my last 70 pounds regardless, because as I said, It's just been me looking back. So every pain, every situation I've been in for my life, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if I did not die at that time, definitely this is leading me to somewhere. But now, 22 years later, I'm studying Richard Branson. I'm studying Elon Musk. I'm studying Jeff Bezos. But the one that inspires me the most is Elon Musk. Why? Because he started his business in in, in, in the 90s, early 90s. Did you know what he did? He went to his father and borrowed $28,000, which virtually became, um, paper, eBay from eBay to paper. Mm. A lot of us right now will go to, to our friends to maybe borrow a credit card, you know, borrow money from someone to buy clothes. (laughs) So I started to understand how people can borrow and grow rich. And my mind completely transformed that actually successful people never have money to do what they want to create. In fact, the United Kingdom don't have the money to run the country, but yet the country is being run. So if only human beings can actually learn to borrow for the right reason and not for the wrong reason, we all can actually start to create the life of our dream. Is it easy to do it? No. Does it come with a lot of pressure? Yes. But as long as you're borrowing to doing the right thing. So for me, spending that last 70 pounds, regardless of where my mindsets are, it gave birth to the, you know, the multi-million pound property portfolio that I have today in London, gradually spreading across England, just little, little bit. So when I look back 20 years from now, by that time, I'll be 63 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, whoa, thank goodness. (laughs) I made those choices. But I wish I knew them early enough.
1: At least you know him now. Well,
0: Absolutely.
2: You. So I've noticed this, and I'm pretty sure Ashley has. One person you've mentioned a lot in your story is your wife. How much of a significant value does she hold to you? Because she's been through you through the thick, the thin, the goods, the
0: highs, and she's still even there now. No word of a doubt. A lot of women who would have been married to a man like me would have been divorced. Mm-hmm. It's very straightforward. <laughs> No disrespect to the English culture and the British culture. I'm African, I'm Nigerian, can't take that away from me. I think marriages in England is built only for the good times, not for the bad times. So a lot of kudos to my wife because she's seen in those darkest moments. Those darkest moments where every single woman will basically Look, I say, listen, I don't understand what's going on in your life. Whatever this is, sorry, I'm tired. I mean, we have gone through, we went through three divorce attempts. The three divorce attempts, wasn't because of her, it was because of me. It was I. I'm like, this is getting too much on me. I don't think it's going to work. Mm. Let's leave it. But she picked up the courage and said, you know what? I'll ride or die with you. But again 23 years of experience of going through different things that only in the last 17 years my life kind of became i've enjoyed the last five years of this year of this nude this new terrain yeah so and without my wife you know i i've never really said this before but without my wife i don't think you know i would I always knew I would be successful, but I think without my wife, I could not be as successful as I am at this very minute. Mm. Because she is someone who has seen me in those dark times, and she's still there, she's been through a lot with me. And like I said, you know, there's things I've been through that a lot of women wouldn't take. Just don't leave that guy. But then again, I'll spin this around quickly. Oh, okay. No. It's, <laughs> it's a was big like,
2: smile. Let me switch it up. Go
0: ahead. I'm sure she's gonna be proud of me. And she is proud of me because, like I said, I would have I would always be successful anyway. But then again, if she has worked so hard with me, which happens in the real life, a lot of people are not patient enough sometimes. So imagine if she didn't go through all those pains with me into what we're building now. And she all of all of a sudden see me this successful, I'm sure she'll be like, why did I, why did why why did I just not be patient enough? And sometimes uh we we often quit at the verge of our miracles. Sure. So I'm sure if she did not pull through with me, and with the level of success that I think I have achieved, she probably would have regretted it. Mm. So sometimes, just know keep pushing help is coming keep pushing help is coming a lot of us quit our marriages relationship friendship and a lot of people are too quick to burn the bridges just at the verge of the miracle so i'm i'm, pl- I'm just i'm just thankful that god gave me gave me a good woman amen Child. Is it mrs moses yes mrs. absolutely. Moses. Yeah. Child, mrs. Moses. <laughs>
1: so tell us about now you're in, your business is a wealth, property, education.
0: Well, I run a, I run a corporation mm-hmm. uh, called Property Wealth. So, within okay. Property Wealth, we have seven entities. Okay. So, we have the management arm of the business, mm-hmm. we have the property development arm of the business focusing on co living space and HMOs. Okay. okay. And then we have um, a portfolio building. Uh, um, where we help busy professionals to get onto property without needing education and all of that. We just basically do it you know, help them get Mm. into building a property portfolio hands off and then I run a educational company as well. So where I have over the last three years educated at least a thousand you know, people Uh, and um, you know currently if I'm very correct uh, a lot of people have anticipated that well, we're one of the fastest growing, diverse, you know, educational company in the UK, you know, trying to get to the top like the, mm-hmm. the, the big boys, um, and as well as, um, I run an investment entity as well within the organization and yeah, so I think if I'm right, that's about five or six now and, mm-hmm. um, six. yeah, and and as well as we, we, we run multiple, we run, a joint venture or SPVs. So joint venture meaning for some of our investors coming in into the company and we co-own assets in that entity.
2: Okay, yeah. nice. So if I was someone who was interested in getting into property, because you see a lot of schemes, and get rich quick schemes or, yeah. you know, there's a lot of facade on the internet. So like, just go back to what I was saying. So if I was someone who wanted to get into property,
0: where would I start? Number one, there is no such thing to get rich quick in property. I think it's all a myth. Um it's all a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive deceit on getting rich quick. Um and I think everybody should be debunking from it. There's you can't you can't get rich quick in property, except if your problem in life is a thousand pounds. You take one rent to rent, the rent to rent makes you one thousand pounds, you're happily ever after. Even at that, for those who talk about rent, rent to rent is a business. You're going to have profit, you're going to have losses, you're going to have management costs, you're going to have running costs of the business. So if you're making a thousand pounds from a rent to rent deal and then your expenses is 1500 pounds, then you're still not making money. I think people just need to understand like property is a long-term investment journey. Mm. It's a get rich for sure as long as you set a plan. I teach something called the wealth creation formula and the number one step on the wealth creation formula is get knowledge. Get knowledge. Number two is have a plan. Set yourself a five-year goal. Okay, I'm starting in property, deal sourcing, rent-to-rent, lease option, property development, whatever that is, set a five-year plan. The reason why a lot of people get started in property and quit within the first six months to a year is because they don't have a plan. So over the last five years, Mm -hmm. I've been in the game and I saw... How it's taking me blood, sweat, and tears to build what I have built. You know, I started learning about property in 2016, mm. and I started teaching in 2020. And before I started teaching it, I was already doing it for almost about three years, doing it really well, doing it really successfully. You know, had a lot of property to my name. During lockdown, I bought four properties. I bought three properties during lockdown. The following year, I bought another four. So, I've done property well enough, you know. Then I started teaching people about it. And the major reason why I started teaching people about it was people kept coming to see, you know, to say, oh, can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? And then I met one of my mentors, Adam Stort. And when we're talking, I was like, and it's like, of course you can sell that. And that was what gave it to Property Wealth Education. And within Property Wealth Education now, I've created three property millionaires Anthony Howell, Asma. Charlie, uh, Charlie, Ray Smith, and more. So these are people I've helped become owners of a million-pound property portfolio. And it uh, trust me, it didn't take them six months. It took right. them some time. <laughs> 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 All right, so a little
2: while ago, me and Ashne went to Little Aston, a nice place in sort of Coldfield where a lot of the wealthy guys, and we met a man who was into property, and he said, his best advice to someone looking to get into property is to buy this property within the next 15 years.
0: Otherwise it's going to be very difficult for you to get a property. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? Like I said, it kind of marries over what I was saying, isn't it? Five-year plan, Mm. right? If you set your game, if you have a game plan to say, okay, this is where I want to be five years, 10 years. I normally use the five-year milestone because over the years, right? If your business can survive five years, that means you, you tried a lot of businesses most businesses don't survive a year to two same thing most people who get into property don't survive a year to two so when my business was about to turn five years i went through a different sort of challenge again to survive the fifth year into the sixth year what so was i challenge a few challenges because sometimes challenges like at some point investors now seeing what you're doing and seeing that you're owning so many other properties and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm giving you money. And you're buying more properties. So actually now I want my money back because I want to go <laughs> and buy my property. Yeah. So that was a challenge. And I, I faced that, I actually faced that in late 2021 and early 2022. When I was going into my, fifth, my official fifth year, because mm-hmm. my first property entity was registered in 2017. So now a lot of my investors are asking me for my money, you know, I need to get my money back. And I'm like, oh my days, I wasn't ready. So at some point I had to, again, re-leverage, restructure, sell if I need to. Mm -hmm. All right, which I did to give them their money back and hold on to what I need to hold on to. So yeah, those challenges do come. So for me, yes, this is one of the most creative time. And I remember asking God, I said, 2008 was the last recession. I currently we're in one right now. So I missed 2008 recession and currently we're in, a, in, in, in in the new recession right now that is going to create a asset of new millionaires. Thanks. And if you can buy enough property below market value right now, and you hold them for the next 10 to 20 years, you're, you're made. I'll give you an example. I bought my first house with my wife in 2006. Mm-hmm. Today, I still own that same asset and it's worth £800,000. And we paid £247,000 in that property in 2006.
1: Wow.
0: So, yes, he's very correct. If you buy an asset now, obviously a cash producing asset, come 2043, mm-hmm. you guys will be in your late 30s, right? Mm-hmm. You're millionaires. If you can learn to buy 10, 20, 15 of them,
2: yeah.
0: you're multi millionaires in assets and equity that has risen naturally depending on where you bought it. So let me give that why the reason why I use that analysis. If I knew, and I just bought where I lived in 2006 at that time, and it's now worth 800,000, why did I not buy 20 of them within three years, within four years, within five yeah. years? Why didn't I keep buying? But guess what? I only bought my second property, which was my investment property in 2019. So it took me almost what? 12 to 13 wow. years. It's a long time. And most people are in that yeah. bubble where you buy one first for where you want to live and you never know what to do to buy the second one that could start becoming an investment yeah
1: so would you say if i was to buy a house is it i should buy a house to make an investment property or i should buy a house just
0: to live in there never buy where you live until you own enough assets that can look after so many things around you financially and otherwise Mm. then buy where you live so right now, I don't own where I live. I live in a, I live in a five-bed detached property. The rent a month is about £3,000. Mm. The cost of running the house is another £1,000. So it costs me about £4,000 to run where I live. All right? And it's one of the most coolest areas in Bromley. Nice. You know, Shout it out. Shout it out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the cheapest property on where I live is 1.2 million. The house actually is worth about 1.8 million.
2: Mm.
0: Now... I've created a business that pays for that £4,000 cost. And I work from home. Now, I am owning more properties that's helping me look after the certain things. Now, the equity I had in the first house that I bought with myself and my wife that we lived in helped us to also scale our property portfolio. So never buy where you live. Obviously, the new market now, there's 100% mortgage on the market. So everybody should take advantage of that, by the way. Yeah, I heard about that. Then, then that's fine. But if not, if you have to cost you 20%, 15% to buy where you live, and that's like 50, 100,000 pounds, no, buy an investment property rather than buying an asset. There's there's difference between assets and liability. Where you live is a liability. I learned this word very well from one of my mentors. You know, and I don't know where I live. I own properties, you know, and my property portfolio is in excess of over 7 million. Mm. Serious. Looking to get more properties. The goal is to build a hundred million pound property portfolio here in the UK. Yeah. You know, and that we will do, within the next ten years. Is that your ten year plan? Yeah, that's my ten year plan.
1: Have you ever thought about buying land and building apartments or houses on it?
0: Within the ten year plan that we've got, mm-hmm. which is getting from just around 7 million that we are now to get to to get to 100 million we have all of that uh, as part of it because yeah, we want to create part. larger co-living spaces mm-hmm. you know like 40 50 units and one of one of our goals is to hold and as well as just basically hold and leverage on debt yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so leverage on debt sell when we need to you know um and and keep you know and and and, uh, and keep when we need to
1: I don't know how we didn't mention this. You're on Forbes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yes, I, I am currently a member of Forbes Coaches Council, uh-huh. uh, 2023, a prestigious, prestigious, you know, community of very successful coaches, very business, prestigious, very, 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 very prestigious, prestigious. In order to be a member of the of the Forbes Council, you ought to have had a mini, minimum um, net worth. Of at least a million pounds to three million—that's the minimum criteria they look at—or a business that's at least done a million mm-hmm. to three million dollars. You know that's one of the uh, you know criteria. Uh, you know, and uh, I had to go through about four interviews, you know, in order to be approved into becoming a member. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great place. Uh, my first article, which is pushing through resilience, I was was published in April. So, yeah, Google it and read about it. And I, I was I read, reading a few
1: articles yeah. today, to be fair.
0: How does that make you feel? Is that one of your goals to ever be put on Forbes? Well, I think one of the things that got clearer over the last 22 years, I'm 43 years old now. One of the things that got clear is I wish I had utmost clarity. You know, you guys are in your early 20s, right? Uh, t- yeah, 22. Yeah. 22. You know? If I had the opportunity to have spoken to people like myself in your age, all right, in your age, and I got the opportunity to be close with them, to know what they were doing right or wrong, I think I'll be the greatest vision of even bigger than I am now. So I think one of the biggest things you guys have done to yourself now is being to get people like myself and so many others, whether it's branding, whether it's success, wealth, whatever that is, Not just having them on your podcast, but being able to form a relationship that instantly becomes an indirect mentorship that will allow you to actually break through so many barriers through brand association and collaboration. So being part of Forbes, you know, in my community, I don't know right now anyone on Forbes. So absolutely, yes. Um, I just got my very first public speaking gig Mm -hmm. and and there's a whole lot of money that we're discussing for me to just come and speak for an hour of what i know can your number uh <laughs> <Yeah>. not, yet. <laughs> not yet not yet
2: okay. not yet
0: you know not yet <laughs> I, I, and, and and i just feel quite humbled i'm like you know what i think knowledge like i said part of my wealth creation formula and i talked about just of the two steps mm-hmm. uh which is not which is getting knowledge and obviously setting yourself a five-year goal plan so yes indeed 100 uh being part of forbes it's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing for me. And it's just part of the many accolades on, it, on its way.
2: So as an author, um, I also want to ask you, coming back to some of the books you've read and how important it is to have knowledge, what some of the books that you have read which have really inspired you to become the person you are today?
0: Two basic books changed my life. The 10X Rule by Grant Cordon, mm. Key Person of Influence by Daniel Presley. They just changed my life. It changed my life to be the name. It changed my life to be the brand. It changed my life to become a key person of influence. Mm.
1: Nice. I also wanted to ask you, you told us on the call that you cried while writing the first book, Second book. the second book. Why?
0: The test has been a very emotional book for me, mm-hmm. you know? And my wife was reading it the other day. She's like, you're just talking about our whole life and how we've never given up. The test has been very emotional because it's almost like I had to relieve every single moment. So I'm writing it, I'm thinking, obviously the editors have to start pulling things out mm-hmm. a little bit and like, no, hold back on this when we do the second version, because the test is big because I just wish, and I hope every single one who will read the test, will be able to relate to it to themselves. Because if everybody can understand testing is definitely part of what creates success, I think we're gonna we're gonna have because I think people talk about the success part a lot. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people talk about the pain. The challenge. The challenges. When you say of that's what the, it takes. Would you say that's the hype of social media. Absolutely. You know, social media just shows you the happy, happy side. Mm, and sex. it's like very soon, you know, very soon I'm gonna start talking about the dark side. Mm-hmm. I want to talk more about the dark side of a truth. It might come across as negative, but isn't negative? You know, the whole, there's a hype on social media because everybody want to hear the good stuff. Oh, you can do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can do whatever it takes. But then again, you can do whatever it takes. But what about when you're in your room where you don't want to get up? True. By yourself. By yourself. And asking God and asking whatever you believe in. Why you? I remember the first time my debt level got to 200,000 pounds. I wasn't sleeping properly. When was that? When I first started raising money, right? This was way back in 2019, 2020. And then lockdown hit, my debt level was 200,000 pounds. But the 200,000 pounds was in buildings, in brick and mortar. And everything is telling me lockdown has just happened. Oh, you're going to fail. You're not going to be able to pay this money back. Did you panic? I suffered from like sweating. Um, I was always sweating. But guess what? After that pain comes the sunshine, right? A couple Mm. of months later, my property got revalued at 700,000 pounds and I made my first 300,000 pounds. And I remember not being able to sleep for over two weeks. And I'm looking at my account balance, 300,000. I'm like, (laughs) woohoo. But Please. again, you had to go through that anxiety. You had to go. Through, mm-hmm. and it's, I think for me, I want to start talking about. It's normal to go through those things mm-hmm. because without those anxiety, sometimes pressure, sometimes you're not going to have resilience level to push through, to becoming a overcoming entrepreneur. Mm. I read an article about you. Can't remember which one it
1: was. It says a typical day in your life. You wake up. Can't remember what time, but you told us 5.30. 530. I think I think the article might have said 6. Yeah. You pray. And then you go for a 5k run. Yeah. I just wanted to know, is that true?
0: I got a very interesting routine. I wake up normally at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And I just listen to something. You know, over time, that changed, you know, between 5.30 and a.m. in the morning to around about, you know, 7 o'clock. But mm-hmm. right now, currently about seven o'clock. I think the test has brought me to this place where it's almost like I'm just reliving and relooking and everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the test has just changed a lot of things around me. So yeah, normally I wake up at 6, 5.30, worst case, 6.30 in the morning. So my alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Mm. You know, I wake up, I pray, and I go for a 5K run every single day is that on
1: a treadmill or
0: actually no, outside outside, outside. outside. Oh, outside. Okay. I, I go out for a run but like i said over the last couple of weeks now you know i've just i've not run mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of weeks and the reason why i've not run is just i just feel like i need to relax i need to chill don't blame you you know it i just feel like, like you work hard, man. i just feel like i just need to chill <laughs> like why do i need to wake up 5 a.m every single morning
1: Bear in mind, you told us you go to bed at like 12, 12. Yeah, 1? naturally,
0: I go to bed like 12, 12.30, sometimes 1 o'clock.
1: So that's like four or five hours of yeah. sleep.
0: That as well, at the moment, I'm also trying to change. I'm trying to go to bed like 10, you know. Mm-hmm. yeah. For me right now, it's not like, I just feel like I need to just, yeah. The truth is, let the truth be told, I have a mentor who is quite brutal in his teachings you know, but, and I have done quite well for myself, but I think I'm now in that place of my life where I, I now need to be me mm-hmm. and to just kind of relax because like I said, 22 years is a whole long, long time. I came to this country, first generation of immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, I had to get my way to having mm-hmm. my resident permit, you know, and and it's just been a journey. So looking back, even when I first came to this country, I probably would be speaking to you lot, even Mm -hmm. because tomorrow my my son still tells me, daddy didn't say that correctly. He didn't pronounce that correctly. (laughs) My African accent is still there. Somehow I might not even be resonating to the British audience, the core hard British audience, but against all odds, you know, Mm -hmm. driving through, just pushing through and letting nothing hold you back because. I think the biggest part of our life is that we judge ourselves a lot but actually change that to being the reason why you want to be be yourself so for me at the moment i'm just trying to kind of let me let me push back a little bit let me let me chill let me just relax i've worked hard you know and the hard work's already shown you know and yeah and it's gradually compounding i think I'm now in a place where I think I've done what I need to do and I need it to compound and let God take the rest. Mm-hmm. It's like, God is in your hands now. That's my mentality now. It's like, God is in your hands. I've done everything I need to do. Nice. It's in the hands of God.
2: Okay. So coming to the end now, it's been a really good podcast episode. I will say that we've got two personal questions and I guess a question from our previous guest. So the first person question is what is the reason you are doing what you are doing?
0: The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is, like I said, my dad was never a millionaire, you know. And number two, my wife and my children. Mm -hmm. I've got to build a name that opens the door for them. That's the goal. Interestingly, and I explained this in great detail, two weeks ago, someone saw my wife in a restaurant and recognized my wife, oh, you're Daniel's wife. It's like, yeah, I don't know you. And it's like, yeah, I, I've never met you. They ended up having a very interesting conversation and the person paid. Oh, that's you nice. know, and, and then gave my daughter a gift, right? At the end of the day, and that's beautiful. And that's because of the name that's happening at the moment and mm-hmm. which will continue to be built. So, and I just wished that my, I, I mentioned my, my father's name. So the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is what my father did not do for me as a child, Mm -hmm. and I pray and God is on my side I'm able to do more for my children you know I'm one of those that believe in legacy I have to pass something off to my son and I'm already raising him as an entrepreneur (laughs) nice so my kids my family is the reason why
1: let me hit you with my personal question What seven things that you can't live without
0: What seven things Mm -hmm. I can't live without oh my days, that's a huge list (laughs) how am I going to go through that What's the seven things I can't live with? I can't live with music. I can't live with my phone. Uh-huh. I can't live without my laptop. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't live without um, traveling to come down here and not listening to something in my ears. So, my headphones.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how many is that? Four. I can't, obviously.
1: Three more.
0: Found my wife can't live without my wife. Can't live without my kids. Can't live without my daughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay, I keep that as one. I keep that as one. Two more. <laughs> Two I more. Okay, I'm creative there. Okay, so I can't live without my family. That's six, right? That's five. Five. That's five. five, five. Okay. Two, more. Two more. Um. Oh, my mom is 87 years old. Obviously, she's getting older. I just sometimes feel, uh, how am I gonna live without my mother? Mm.
1: That's
0: mm. number six. I can't live without money.
1: Facts.
2: There you you can't. Okay. So i answered that pretty quickly pretty compared quick. to everyone else. To Definitely. <laughs> so our question from my last guest was, if you won billions of dollars, would you continue doing what you do? If I won? If you won billions of dollars, would you continue doing what you do?
0: If I want, If I won. If you won. Yeah. Won. If I won a billion dollars, I reinvest it and I keep doing what I'm doing. Would you? Yeah.
1: You wouldn't just think to retire. I keep doing
0: what I'm doing, but obviously I'm, I'm going to be able to make more impact. It's compound. True. So I think this is probably why they say business people never win lottery, right? But mm. I think you might just give me an idea there. Probably start playing some lottery then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the money to just got the play. Buy 100 so tickets play, every day. <laughs> but I just got the money to play and just keep playing so that when, when I win it, I, I reinvest it, but I just buy a whole street
1: that would be <laughs> sick imagine oh my days <laughs> i wish you the best of luck with
0: that <laughs> do. daniel
1: man thank you for coming on it's been a great podcast we thank appreciate you traveling so thank,
0: thank you so That's... so much for having me this has been an amazing podcast so um yeah looking forward to this and looking you, forward, look to, forward the to the
2: next book as well and also thank you
0: for the first book appreciate it right. that was great. a gift as well thank you so thank much, you very much fantastic